Welcome to the Bankers podcast series, Banking Under Pressure, exploring how the financial services industry is coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. In this series, the Bankers editors are interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on specific challenges, best practices, and innovations that can help banks and their customers manage during these tough times. I'm Joy McKnight, Managing Editor of The Banker, and for this kickoff podcast, I'm joined by editor Brian Kaplan, who wrote a recent blog entitled, Who Pays for Coronavirus? Brian, thanks so much for joining me. No problem at all. Um, So obviously, the countries around the world have gone into lockdown mode. Italy is now in its fourth week, and obviously, there is going to be repercussions on the world GDP. Many have compared the economic impact of the pandemic to the global financial crisis in 2007 or 8. What is your opinion on that, Brian? Uh, Well, first of all, of course, it's worth mentioning that there's a huge human cost this time in terms of uh, people dying. And we don't know how how many are going to die before the whole thing's over. Um, Mm -hmm. So in a way, that sort of puts some of the economic cost into relief. But frankly, you have to say that... um, the, the short-term economic cost is, is going to be bigger, I think, than, than the financial crisis. If you think about the UK, I mean, we saw about a 5% contraction in GDP in the financial crisis. Then, of course, we had lots of years of slow growth and uh, poor outcomes uh, following that. Um, but economists are looking at um, you know, much bigger falls of GDP, at least in the second quarter. And then if it goes on, it'll be annualized. So you're looking at GDP falls of you know more than 10%. You know some people are even saying higher than that. Uh, then you've got to factor in uh, what the governments are doing in response, which is obviously spending a huge amounts of money, mm-hmm. uh, which pushes out their bu- budget deficits, but also it's going to add to the debt to GDP ratio. So instead of seeing debt to GDP ratios of you know uh, 60 to 100%, you're going to start seeing them of sort of two or three hundred percent if it carries on. Uh, all of which has to be paid back at some point. Mm. So it's a very difficult situation. Uh, Obviously, this crisis maybe wasn't of the bank's making as such, Um, but do you think banks are better prepared for such a crisis situation than they were in 2008? Well, they're definitely better prepared in the sense that the one thing that came out of the financial crisis was it caused the banks uh, to to de-risk and to raise their capital buffers. So going into this crisis, yeah, they're not thin on capital, and uh, hopefully the the risks in their books are not uh, as large as they were in, in the financial crisis. I mean, you think particularly about these huge securitizations they had to with subprime mortgages as the asset. But having said that, um, I mean, it will impact the banks. Um, there's no way that you can have all these businesses going going bust without some impact on the uh, on the loan book, even if governments are guaranteeing loans to some extent. And of course, you're going to see a massive drop in economic activity, so that's going to hit uh, hit income for the banks. So they're definitely uh, they may not be quite in the front line like they were in the financial crisis, but they're definitely uh, they're definitely in there, and they're going to suffer. Okay. And in your blog, you talked about how the banks could redeem themselves in the eyes of the customers, maybe regaining some of the trust that they lost during the banking crisis. So can you elaborate on that point? Um, And can you give any examples? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. If you think about the financial crisis, uh, the banks uh, were seen as the cause of the financial crisis. And then it seemed as if, you know, government stepped in to bail them out. And that cost was uh, paid by ordinary taxpayers. And obviously, ordinary people suffered from, from job losses and slow economic growth. So the banks really, you know, were in the dock during that period. And I think this would be a chance for the banks to, to show that they, you know, they can play uh, a positive role uh, for economic and social good. So one or two of the UK banks were a little bit ahead of the curve. So Royal Bank of Scotland and, and Lloyds came up with uh, plans for mortgage holidays for their customers uh, before the government then came along and said, well, this is what's going to happen for everybody. And uh, most countries around the world have got a sort of mixture of uh, mortgage holidays and loan guarantees, as well as fiscal resources that are being uh, pumped up to, to help through this period. Um, but I think the more the banks were seen to be proactive, and if they could act as an industry, which of course uh, does raise the issue of competition rules, but if they were allowed to act as an industry and say, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that, and then afterwards we're going to, you know, really uh, help with the recovery. Um, it would do a massive amount to redeem the banking industry in the eyes of the public. Okay. And so how do you think this is really going to reshape the global economy um, and the global supply chain, really? Well, I think that, that's a big question. So, Because the other thing about the financial crisis is um, clearly after the financial crisis, there were a lot of reforms to banking regulation. But in the wider economic picture, you know, there doesn't seem to be very much and uh, countries and economies just sort of carried on as normal. Um, up to this crisis, you know, we're well aware of so many different issues um, in terms of things like climate change, um, supply chains, um, sort of tax on international companies. And what you would have to say is that this is a golden opportunity to really address some of these issues. And you know, reorganising perhaps um, uh, economics or, or business in a more circular economy way, a more environmental friendly way, and rethinking supply chains. You know, how much do we really want to be having made in, in far off parts of the of the world and shipped? You know, with all the costs that are involved in that. You know, how much maybe there should be a better split between uh, goods that are made locally and goods that are that are exported around the world. Um, and, you know, generally one, one feels, um, you know, in the West, we've had this rise in, in populism, which is obviously discontent uh, uh, in terms of uh, the new kind of economies we have here where they're heavily service based, but there's a lack of um, well-paying jobs. You know, maybe this is a chance to address a whole, a whole range of issues and come up with a real reform package. I mean, that's, that would be the hopeful outcome. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your insights, Brian. On the next podcast in this series, I'll be interviewing Massimiliano Bellingeri, Group CEO of BFF Banking Group, headquartered in Milan, to get his advice on how to deal with the lockdown situation when all your staff are working from home. Thank you very much for listening.
Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.